This is the Agenda Podcast on the Blood Red Channel, taking a bite-sized look at some of the big Liverpool FC talking points. Everyone's a fan of the January sales, and even if Liverpool don't see it right to do some shopping this month, they've been partial to both a significant investment and a mad dash to the tills in the past. Welcome to the Agenda here on Blood Red. I'm Guy Clark, the Echo's chief Liverpool writer. Ian Doyle is here with me as we talk through some of the Reds' memorable January transfer signings from years gone by. And uh, Doyle, there's been some good ones and there's been some bad ones, hasn't there, down the years? Yeah, and there's been some nothing happened ones, which I suspect is what might happen this January, although we, we wait to see on that one. Yeah, Jurgen Klopp's never really quite been a fan of the January transfer window, but arguably perhaps his most successful, his biggest signing, perhaps during his, his tenure as Liverpool manager, obviously did come in January. What was it, 2018, when Virgil van Dijk eventually walked through the door? Yeah, I mean, it would have preferred to have brought him in in the summer, but we all know what happened there. Um, but yeah, January was fairly decent. Obviously, that was the uh, the January that they sold uh, Felipe Coutinho as well, which helped pay for Virgil van Dijk. And don't forget with Jurgen Klopp is that his first signing for Liverpool was made in the January transfer market. That was Marco Gruic, although I think he's played something like 14 or 16 games for Liverpool since then. So hardly one that's been integral to the way Liverpool have gone, but he'll always be a, a historic landmark in Klopp's time at the club. And there are, I suppose, sort of staying on that theme with Virgil van Dijk and sort of he came in as maybe the, the finished article, final piece of the jigsaw for what was then a leaky defence. But there have been sort of other reputable names come through the door. Ten years ago now, Luis Suarez, of course, Andy Carroll, they both came in. Luis Suarez, more sort of, of a finished product come into the side. And I mean, he, he did take a bit of adapting, but really did hit the ground running. And one that maybe didn't quite work out under Rafa Benitez, Fernando Morientes. Yeah, I think it was a, a case of he's probably just passed his best and he wasn't quite getting the games at Real Madrid. It just, just didn't work for him. It, 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 he scored a few goals and he played the FA Cup final uh, the following season. So I, th- I think, actually, to be honest, I think the thing Morientes is perhaps most memorable for for Liverpool fans of, of that era is that he was a, a co-commentator on Spanish television at the 2005 Champions League final. And uh, if anyone's listened to the commentary, he kind of loses it a little bit when Liverpool are, are making it 3-1, 3-2 and 3-3. So I don't think there's any doubts about where his... His loyalties lie, so uh, yeah, but it didn't quite work for him. That, that was uh, the same one that they brought in uh, uh, Pellegrino as well, wasn't it, from Valencia, who was you know possibly the slowest footballer I've ever seen play for Liverpool. But and he was about fifty-five years old by that point. But he was brought in just to provide a little bit of cover for Sammy Hippie, wasn't it, the centre back, so he could be okay for the Champions League. So in that sense, it, it worked out quite well. Yeah, it certainly did. As I say, there have been sort of varied dealings, even sort of thinking back. You mentioned Pellegrino there, just sort of off the top of my head. Another couple of centre-halves who have come in during the January transfer window, aside from Van Dijk. I think Martin Skirtle and Daniel Lager were both January signings, weren't they? Yeah, Daniel Lager was 2006. Uh, that was the same window that Robbie Fowler was signed to, to brought back by uh, Rafael Benitez. Uh, Skirtle was 2008. Uh, I think there have been quite, you know, and in between them, technically speaking, 2007 was uh, Alvaro Arbeloa and Javier Mascarano was signed, although he wasn't then able to play for the best part of another month because of, you know, could be certain registration issues with West Ham, I think, and, and anybody at the time would remember that there was something a bit strange going on there in terms of third party ownership. But uh, yeah, Liverpool technically signed him in that January transfer window. So yeah, I think Rafa Benitez was probably the one who enjoyed 
you know, he, he quite enjoyed selling and buying players. So he, he had a lot of time for the January market. I think he brought in Maxi Rodriguez as well in a January. So compared to that, Jurgen Klopp hasn't quite been so uh, you know, keen to change things around. Although, funnily enough, I think the only January transfer window where Benita didn't make any kind of major signing was the one where Liverpool nearly won the league in 2008, 2009. It is interesting sort of how different managers use it. Of course, uh, Jurgen Klopp did bring in Minamino last year. And I suppose probably fair to say we're still really waiting for his Liverpool career to, to catch fire. Yeah, that was kind of an opportunist by there, wasn't it? But what was it, 7.25 million for a player who the previous you know, couple of weeks had played very well against Liverpool and was kind of, most of Europe were looking at him saying, who's this guy? Because they hadn't really heard of him before. So, I mean, he was already on Klopp's radar. They'd already, even before the, the Champions League games, they, they were aware of this... Uh, contract clause and you know yeah he may, he may have be taken a, a while to settle but you know he got an assist against Aston Villa you know in his previous game before that he scored against Crystal Palace so he couldn't have done much more in terms of the numbers. What do you think probably goes down as Liverpool's most successful January window? So 2013 under Brendan Rodgers to me always sort of sticks out one obviously where Daniel Sturridge and Coutinho both came in you mentioned before Coutinho then sold five years later for a huge profit that in many ways has led to the building of the side we see now I mean if you t- in terms of that then you'd have to say 2013 in terms of the actual player brought in uh, to 2018 for getting Virgil van Dijk but as we said that was more a delayed transfer rather than one that Liverpool were just looking to you know make you know make use of the January window in the way that it normally would be. It was just waiting. That was just waiting for the window to open back up at the first available opportunity. But I would re- I would suggest that 2013 was probably the best in terms of, yeah, I mean, I think, was it something like 20 million for the pair of them? I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. I mean, was, was Sturridge about 12 and continue yeah, 12 at 8.5? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so, I mean, you look at that now, and I know Sturridge had his injury problems, but he was still, you know, when he was fit, he was still a great player. He was still... People forget he was actually he came on in the Champions League semi-final against Barcelona. He played in that one, and he, and he got himself a Champions League wins medal. So for him, that was a you know probably just reward for the the amount of you know, contribution that he'd given to Liverpool, even though it should have been a lot more for the injuries. Coutinho, we know, is a one of the most still one of the most naturally gifted players who's ever played for Liverpool, I'd say, and. Um, uh, and I know that some fans didn't like the way that he, he kind of nearly went in the summer of 2017. But, and you know, he had the back injury, didn't he? Or, or did he really hurt his back sitting on a plane? Who knows? Um, but, uh, but, but, then, but then for the next three months before he left, that was his best football he ever played for Liverpool. So I don't think anybody could complain too much about that. So I'd probably say 2013, yeah. And a bit different, I suppose, to 2011, the, the two years before, and that final mad day, final day dash for Suarez and, and Andy Carroll. Sort of seemingly two very different transfers. Suarez, a man that Liverpool had had an eye on and wanted to get the deal done for, and Andy Carroll, a player that it's fair to say, obviously now in hindsight, that Liverpool overpaid quite a quite a bit on him. Yeah, I mean, I think about that. Is that I remember that because that was a bit of a nightmare covering that day. Um, Suarez was always coming. Suarez was always coming. Liverpool were always going to sign Suarez. So that was the deal that they were, all, they were looking to, to conclude anyway on that day. Uh, I think it was very it was very briefly Liverpool's record signing, wasn't it? Until Carroll signed. He was, he was there for a couple of hours in that position. But with the, the Carroll thing, I think had it been any other time, I just don't think Liverpool would have signed Andy Carroll because, don't forget, FSG had been in. In fact, they were the New England Sports Ventures back then. So they'd only been in for like two months and suddenly... Well, hang on. They're selling the best player for fifty million pounds. This isn't in Fernando Torres. This doesn't look a particularly clever move. So, in terms of PR, they probably just had to sign somebody. And 
you know, David Camoli or, or Kenny Dalglish, whoever it was, uh, they determined that uh, Andy Carroll was the man. And, and I think people forget at the time, everybody went like, oh, £35 million, pounds, that's an awful lot of money. But nobody was saying, why on earth have they signed Andy Carroll? It was more, why have they spent that much money? But then they go, well, they've got two strikers for the price of just, you know, about seven, six, seven million more than one. And it obviously it turned out that while, you know, Fernando Torres was never quite the same player at Chelsea, he, st- he still ended up, I think, winning practically everything that you could possibly could win at one point. I think he had every honour you could possibly have at one point. We're talking, he was the, like, I think he was the Premier League winner and the Champions League winner and the World Cup winner and the, you know, a European Championship winner for Spain. So he had all of those. So it, it, it helped, it didn't hamper him in that sense. But Liverpool certainly saw the best years of him. But and there was no problem with Suarez either. But Carroll, I think Carroll was a bit unlucky in the sense that he, he, he tended to get injured. And that's, that's been seen throughout his career. He has one of those, I remember Kenny Dalglish once told us, I think it was one of those body shapes that suggests that he's always going to pick up those kind of niggling injuries. But it just got worse for him. But the minute Brendan Rodgers came in, he just wasn't a Brendan Rodgers type of player, so he was ne- he was never going to be able to uh, to to you know make a massive impact at Liverpool after that. But don't forget, he did score a, a famous winner in an FA Cup semi final, and he scored in an FA Cup final for Liverpool. So I wouldn't say that the fans look to uh, you know they look fairly fondly on him, but you know everybody agrees Liverpool paid an awful lot of money for him, and part of the reason for that is that you know that the owners didn't want to have this massive PR on goal of selling such a top player within weeks of taking over. Yeah, and he dismantled Man City, didn't he, one night at Anfield mm. when they were beginning to show what they're all about. I suppose then this year, final sort of thing for us to say on the January transfer window, we're not expecting any helicopter flights and all of that nonsense on, on deadline day this year. Oh, I'm sure there'll be planes tracked and all sorts on, on flight radar or whatever it is that they use these days. Uh, there'll, be, there'll be helicopters knocking around. I mean, and the fact that we're in lockdown means that if anybody sees any kind of plane, they'll be like, oh, here comes somebody, you know. Or even a car, yeah. Anybody, yeah. It could be anybody already did. Um, I mean, what have we learned from Liverpool? Well, we've learned that, you know, never say never in terms of bringing a player in. You never know what could happen. I mean, Joel Matip or Fabinho could get injured in the next couple of weeks and they'll have to buy a centre-back. But... There's no other position that Liverpool are going to strengthen unless some like ridiculously opportune deal presents itself. I think everybody, well, I know for a fact that Liverpool are already working, to, like any club are already working towards the summer. They've got the targets at centre-back as well. So only if something very drastic happens in the next few weeks or an opportunity presents itself where Liverpool can do a deal that they wanted to do a bit later on in the year is the only way I can see something happening. That doesn't mean that is going to happen just before people start transcribing this podcast and put my name to it, which they will miss this bit off as well. So anyway. Yeah, no need putting a disclaimer there, Doyle. It'll still get it'll still get taken regardless. I know, they'll still do, won't they? Exactly. Yeah. If you want to share with us your sort of favourite Liverpool January transfer signings, do leave us a reply in the comments section if you're joining us on YouTube. And uh, if you're listening into the podcast, do feel free to leave us a rating and review, though always more than helpful to us here at Blood Red. But from Ian Doyle and myself, Guy Clark, that's been a, a quick look at Liverpool's past January transfer dealings will there be any to come this year we'll have to wait and see but thank you for your time and your company here on blood red it's bye for now you've been listening to the agenda podcast on the blood red channel